Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. As the Supreme Court was staffed with more and more conservative judges, it became clear that this day might come. And today it has. Through its decision on the Dobbs case, the federal right to an abortion is no more. In the language of Samuel Alito's opinion, the Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. As Nina Totenberg said earlier, this is the legal equivalent of a nuclear bomb, and we will be opening up the phones to hear from you about how you're reacting to this decision. That's coming up next after this news. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Painful is how many reproductive rights advocates are describing their reactions to the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe v. Wade. In May, a draft of Samuel Alito's opinion was leaked, and in the official decision which came down today, the language and content were largely the same. In dissent, the court's three liberal justices warned that the opinion's approach, quote, places in jeopardy other rights, from contraception to same-sex intimacy in marriage. This is like no other decision in recent memory, and it shows how powerful the conservative judges have become on the court. We know that many of you are having strong reactions to this decision, and we're going to open our phone lines now so we can process this moment together. You can give us a call. Number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's KQED Forum. You can also email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Just want to let you know, we're also going to take you live this morning to President Biden's speech, which is expected around 9.30 a.m. this morning. But first, let's introduce our guests who've both been on the front lines of the fight for abortion access. 
Jessica Pinckney is the executive director of Access Reproductive Justice, a nonprofit that helps patients access abortions by providing information, financial, and logistical assistance. Thanks for joining us this morning, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. We're also joined by Lauren Rankin, a writer, speaker, and activist. She's the author of Bodies on the Line at the Front Lines of the Fight to Protect Abortion in America. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, Lauren, let's start with you. How are you reacting to this news today? Well, it certainly wasn't um, unexpected, especially after the leaked draft decision over a month and a half ago. But to see it in black and white, to see that the court has actually overturned Roe versus Wade is devastating and enraging. I know the human stakes of this issue, as does Jessica and so many other people. And it's it's hard to feel like this court in any way represents the American public. It's just utterly devastating. How, how do you see that personal toll that you just mentioned? I spent six years as a clinic escort at an independent abortion clinic in northern New Jersey. New Jersey is a very uh, liberal state, supportive of abortion rights, just like California. And protesters still showed up in mass to scream at, harass, intimidate patients simply for trying to access abortion care. And when you walk someone past that, when you stand with them as they're trying to access a basic medical procedure and they're being inundated with all of this vitriol and cruelty, you understand what it means on a human level. Abortion is about people. Real people have abortions, real people with real lives, and they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Uh, And knowing now that there's already so many barriers to abortion care, and now across vast vast swaths of the country, abortion is going to be banned and criminalized. It, the toll, the human suffering toll is really sitting hard with me this morning. Jessica Pinkney, what's on your mind this morning? I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with, with what Lauren has said. I think uh, while the, the decision was expected after May's leak, it is no less angering um, and infuriating uh, to see the final decision. Um, and know that this is just a complete gutting of so many people's uh, bodily autonomy and right to make decisions about their lives and their families and their communities. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm honored to uh, lead an organization here in California um, that really was built for this moment um, and abortion funds are, are ready and prepared to support folks uh, in this moment. And that does give me uh, a bit of um, solace in these incredibly trying times. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let's bring in our first caller, Jenny from Berkeley. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Um, I just want to urge women to do more than go out in the streets and protest against this terrible ruling. We need to make sure Congress maintains and expands its Democratic Party majority so we can fix the broken Supreme Court. So I'm just urging women and their allies to please join the thousands of women who are already phone banking, writing letters, and donating to Democratic candidates in swing states 
which are Arizona, Wisconsin, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina. You can contact the Bay Area Coalition, Swing Left, the Progressive Turnout Project, and other organizations to do your part right now. And also, please contact your friends and family families in these swing states and swing congressional districts also to urge their Democratic friends and family, especially infrequent voters, that this time in November, they really have to vote. We've got to get a solid majority in Congress so we can uh, deal with the Supreme Court. Please don't just complain. Thank you. Thanks for your perspective, Jenny. You know, Jessica Pinckney, are you, how are you seeing this as a political question? I mean, here's what I'll say. Abortion access and abortion rights are the people's issue. Uh, Whether you have a uterus, um, identify as a woman, um, if you're able to get pregnant, um, this issue impacts you. If you're not able to get pregnant, this issue impacts you. Um, And so, you know, I 100% agree that we need to make our voices heard um, in every level of power. Um, And I think that's something that Californians have done really well. Um, And I'm grateful to be working very closely with the governor, the attorney general, um, and the California legislature as we work diligently to improve access to abortion here in California. Um, but, you know, I think um, the way I, I see this, this political moment is the federal government has failed us and many state governments are failing their citizens in this very moment. And um, California has stepped in and stepped up to ensure that not only uh, is Californians access to abortion protected, but that um access to abortion is, a, is protected and available for those who may travel here. Um, and that's really where, where our attention is focused right now. Yeah. Lauren Rankin, you, know, you have been on the front lines here. Do you think that, what, what role do you think voting is going to play going forward? I think obviously voting is really important, but I, I want to kind of reframe what that caller said. In this moment right now, What I actually think is the most important thing to do is not focus on uh, the November midterms, but on getting care to people who need it. There are 13 states that have trigger laws that go that ban abortion now that Roe has been overturned. They go into effect at varying times. That poses an immediate crisis for those people. And yes, I agree. We need a democratic. Uh, controlled Congress, which we have right now. We need a Democratic president, which we have right now. Jessica is absolutely right. The federal government has failed us on this for decades. It's been everyday volunteers, as I show in my book, Bodies on the Line, clinic escorts, abortion funders, abortion doulas who have showed up and bridged that gap. The federal government hasn't passed a meaningful piece of legislation in support of abortion since the FACE Act in 1994, which made it a felony to block access to a clinic. Mm -hmm. 
So I agree that voting is important, but right now your money, your energy, your time should be going to abortion funds. It should be going to organizations like Jessica's. It should be going to the activists who are doing this work on the ground to get people care right now. Because if we can stem that crisis in the short term, that's going to bear long-term fruit for us. And it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, Jessica, for people who haven't been as tapped into what's going on uh, as you, obviously, can you just explain what Dobbs, what the actual decision is? So I can do my best to explain what Mm -hmm. the actual decision is, just because, um, Obviously, the decision just came down and I have not had a chance to read the hundreds of pages um, of the decision. But essentially what what uh, their decision, what the Supreme Court's decision does is it overrules and overturns uh, both uh, Roe v. Wade as well as Planned Parenthood v. Casey, um, which essentially um, as as Lauren just referenced, out turns abortion access to, uh, back to the states. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen, um, you know, as Lauren mentioned, 13 states do have trigger bans in place that go into effect immediately with an additional 13 states that are very likely to quickly take action to ban abortion. Um, so it does turn this issue to the states, which is why a state like California, states uh, along unfortunately, in mostly the coastal regions, both West Coast and East Coast, um, will still be able to provide abortion access because uh, for whatever reason, there's either language in their constitution or laws on the books already that um, enshrine um, the right to access abortion in in those states independently. We're talking about the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs, which overturns Roe v. Wade. And we're getting your reactions and questions with Jessica Pinckney, executive director of Access Reproductive Justice, nonprofit that helps patients access abortions, and Lauren Rankin, writer, speaker, and activist. She's the author of Bodies on the Line at the Front Lines of the Fight to Protect Abortion in America. And we're taking your calls. We're going to take some more calls right after the break. How are you feeling about the loss uh, of the federal right to an abortion. You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram or KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Got a few comments uh, coming in. One listener writes, the hypocrisy of a court that requires states to allow unregulated carrying of concealed firearms and at the same time not require states to uphold women's reproductive rights is beyond unbelievable. What are the most helpful actions we can take going forward to support reproductive rights and come to the aid of pregnant people who are being victimized by this action? What else can we do? I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more reactions after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the huge Supreme Court decision in Dobbs, which overturns Roe v. Wade. And we're getting your reactions and questions with Jessica Pinckney, Executive Director of Access Reproductive Justice, as well as Lauren Rankin, the author of Bodies on the Line, at the front line to the fight to protect abortion in America. And of course, we are taking your calls and uh, reactions as well. Wanted to ask you, uh, Jessica Pinckney, we have a, a comment uh, listener writes, just a simple question. Why doesn't anyone talk about preventing unwanted pregnancies? Why don't we move to prevent pregnancy? I, I, this is happening, obviously. Um, can you talk a little bit about how those efforts uh, dovetail with uh, abortion rights? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think to your point, uh, yes, people are um, very much focused on uh, contraception Um uh, and other means to prevent pregnancy. But I think, um, you know, there's a full spectrum of, of needs uh, and health healthcare needs specifically that, that individuals have, and that includes abortion. Um, abortion is healthcare. And so um, I don't think any, uh, anyone who supports abortion, um, any abortion access organizations, any pro-abortion activists or individuals are, are saying um, that, you know, contraception um, is not an important part of the conversation, but it's not the whole conversation. Um, people are going to continue to need abortions no matter what, um, whether it be because of the, the safety or the health of the fetus or the pregnant person, or whether it be because, you know, um, a pregnancy is unexpected and a, and a decision has to be made about whether or not someone can raise a child. So, um, I, you know, I think there is plenty of work being done around contraception. We on our Healthline help people access um, a medical appointments to, to access um, you know, sexual health education, birth control, emergency contraception, a full range of reproductive health care services. Uh, but we also really acknowledge that abortion is health care. Yeah. You know, Lauren Rankin, another uh, listener writes in to say, can it be lawful to force a woman who is a victim of rape or incest to go through a pregnancy, which not only endangers life of the woman and her mental health, and then punish getting an abortion with unjustifiable criminal sanction. Seems like cruel and unusual punishment in violation of the Eighth Amendment. It also seems like a forced medical procedure. And I think one of the questions that arises from this comment is sort of now that this is the new law of the land, how do you expect to see you know, the people that you've reported on to sort of respond either legally or through other kinds of, of activism? Yeah, it's we're entering uncharted territory, right? I mean, the possibility of um, mass criminalization is real. I would make sure that everyone knows that while Roe was the law of the land, women of color, especially black women, brown women, immigrant women have already been 
criminalized for having stillbirths, for having miscarriages, and for self-managing their abortions. That has happened while Roe was the law of the land. That's exactly what we're going to see moving forward. The same people who are victims of our racist criminal justice system are going to experience that kind of criminalization. I, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, so I, um, you know, I'm, I'm marrying a lawyer, but um, he, you know, I absolutely believe that the, it violates the Eighth Amendment. But the question here is, on a human level, what does this mean for someone to be forced without their consent to continue a pregnancy? Mm-hmm. I, I I really feel like we need to think about what that would feel like for someone. And, you know, I also want to add onto the question before a lot of people who use contraception, that contraception fails. Abortion isn't just this random form of birth control that most people use willy nilly. It's, it's healthcare that is there when, when your contraception fails, which does happen. So this idea that like, we just can prevent all pregnancies. I love that idea, but it's, it's not based in reality and abortion is an essential stopgap so that people can have autonomy over their bodies and their lives. Mm-hmm. Let's bring in another caller, Judy in San Jose. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, my comment is that a woman does not get pregnant by herself. And if there's a federal law that a woman must keep the baby, then the man, by federal law, must support the mom and baby. And if men are held res- more responsible, then maybe there would be fewer pregnancies. And I think this should be strictly enforced. Thanks for that comment, Judy. And, you know, Jessica Pinckney, when we talk about the role that men may or may not play uh, after um, after fertilization of, of an egg, like what, what do you what do you think should be done on that level? Is there anything to be done in the way that Judy is suggesting? I mean, here, I, I'll say what I said earlier again, because I think it always bears repeating. Um, it is not just people who identify as women who become pregnant. Um, there are many people who identify as trans or gender nonconforming who can become pregnant. So this is not just a women's issue. Access to abortion is a person's issue. It's a people's issue. We all have a role to play. Um, of course, Um, you know, it does not just take one person in most instances to, um, to get pregnant. And so again, this is an issue that impacts everyone in their own unique ways. Um, our friends at We Testify always remind us that everyone loves someone who's had an abortion. So I think, um, it's really imperative in this moment that uh, individuals think about how abortion has impacted their life, whether it be directly or indirectly, and what kind of influence um, and power and say they can have in this moment to push the needle uh, back towards um, accessible abortion care across the country. One listener writes in to share a personal experience. Um, She writes, I had an ectopic pregnancy. It threatened my reproductive health. I was able to terminate that pregnancy, which allowed me to have a healthy pregnancy later. 
Under this framework, I probably would have had to let that ectopic pregnancy, which would have destroyed my fallopian tubes, go to term. The state should not have been part of that decision. It was mine to make, and it was devastating and scary. I did not need Justice Thomas in that room to make that choice. You know, and as you've been noting, Jessica, this <laughs> abortions happen for a lot of different reasons, and this is healthcare. Absolutely. I mean, abortion is a matter of bodily autonomy. People have a human right to determine if, when, and how they create their families. Um, and there is no business of the government, federal, state, local, or otherwise, in prohibiting um the decisions that people will undoubtedly make about their own bodies that will benefit themselves, their families, their communities. Um, and so, yes, there are many people who have abortions for healthcare related reasons. There are many people who have abortions because they cannot be a parent in this moment in time. There are many people who have abortions, as Lauren just referenced, because contraception does fail. There are a multitude of experiences that bring people to the decision to have an abortion. And um, to legislate around this decision um, does not take into consideration people's full lived experiences whatsoever. You know, the dissent has took up many of the themes that we've been discussing here. Um, I want to just read a little bit of the dissent to you and, and get your reaction. Uh, Lauren Rankin uh, goes, uh, a state can thus transform what, when freely undertaken, is a wonder into what, when forced, may be a nightmare. Some women, especially women of means, will find ways around the state's assertion of power. Others, those without money or childcare or the ability to take time off from work, will not be so fortunate. Maybe they will try an unsafe method of abortion and come to physical harm or even die. Maybe they will undergo pregnancy and have a child, but at significant personal or familial cost. At least they will incur the cost of losing control of their lives. The Constitution will, today's majority holds, provide no shield, despite its guarantees of liberty and equality for all. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I think what's really at stake here is people's lives. And obviously the court is fanatical and is going to do what it's going to do. And it, I would also add, this is the tip of the iceberg for them. This isn't the end. They're using this as a step to dismantle the entire right to privacy, which includes contraception, same-sex marriage, same-sex intimacy, as you noted before. And what the state can now do, depending on where you live, is police that for you. There are options um, to self-manage your abortion safely. You can self-manage an abortion through medication abortion. But again, that could leave, depending on where you live, women of color in particular, susceptible to criminalization. And no one should have to have a child as a punishment. I don't believe kids are punishment for having sex. I, I don't, I, I just don't think anyone really can honestly say they believe that. And that's what this will do. This will force low-income women, uh, folks who are unable to access care, who are unable to travel. This will force them to either bear a child as punishment or potentially incur a, a pregnancy that endangers their lives as that commenter wrote in ectopic pregnancy 
is life-threatening. And that's, those are the very real stakes of what we're facing now. Yeah. Um, we have Bob in San Francisco. Welcome to the show, Bob. Hi there. I, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of this discussion is, is useful, but I, but I think it, it's missing one of the central points that this is really a, a religious issue. And it's been imposed on people who don't agree on the same uh, on the same religious principles. If, in fact, you do believe that the killing of a, of a I know a zygote is tantamount to murder, there is no compromise. It definitely leads essentially to saying there should be no exceptions for incest or rape, because the innocent person who has ra- who has rights all themselves more than the mother, apparently, um, will, be, will be killed. And they were innocent. They didn't have anything to do with incest or rape. So this logically leads to a ban on all kinds of, all kinds of medical procedures. And more importantly, with the way that the, with the um, judgment was written, they didn't say that this was thrown back to the states. They said that the Constitution was silent on this issue. So they've left open that a national law banning abortion in every state, in every municipality, can be imposed by the federal government. And if you've been watching what's been happening to the national federal government, it is hardly impossible to to think that a new Congress and a new Senate would ban abortion uh, throughout the country. Thank you for that um, comment, Bob. Uh, we're going to go live to President Biden as soon as he is on. But in the in the meantime, Jessica Pinkney, are you worried about the, the next steps that this is really the beginning, not the end? Um, I mean, I will say yes and no. Um, I 100 percent agree with with Lauren's comments that uh, this is just the beginning. We will see attacks on contraception. We will see attacks on same sex marriage. Uh, we're already seeing attacks on voting rights, on on um, gun control and so many other issues. Um, but I also think that um, we're prepared for the moment we're in and we need to um, assess the needs of the people who uh, need to access abortion care right now and in this moment. And um, that is really where I feel like access reproductive justice's imperative is, is to support the people who need care now. Um, a lot of the uh, things that we're talking about in terms of potential federal laws um, or or other things of the like, you know, they're very much a possibility. And um, we can we can do what we can to prepare in this moment. But I also think uh, we we just cannot anticipate um, what will be legally viable, what will not be legal, legally viable, or what we might face um, in the weeks, months, years ahead. And so I really urge folks in this moment to do what we can to support people who need to access abortion care today, tomorrow, next week, and next month, because um, they're not worried about what the federal government may do six months from now or a year from now. They're worried about how they're going to get their abortion care today. Let's get to a couple comments as we wait for President Biden. Uh, Lorna writes, we need to stop talking about abortion and focus on prevention, access to birth control for everyone, morning after pills for everyone. Set a law that you have 72 to 96 hours after intercourse to prevent a pregnancy before it starts. 
Uh, we need to beat the opponents at their own game by changing the paradigm. Uh, Noel tweets, like Prohibition, a small group of dedicated activists pushed through an unpopular law. We need to rely on self-managed abortion, aid those needing abortion to get help traveling to safe abortion states, donate to abortion funds in the states. And Robert writes, make no mistake, Republicans' next goal in 2025 is a federal ban on abortion. This is real. Do you, you know, as we wait for President Biden, Lauren Rankin, do you think that there's going to be major action from Democrats to try to do some of these things and, and you know, take up these suggestions that people are putting out there? This may be disheartening for listeners, but no, I think we need to prepare ourselves and accept the fact that unfortunately at the federal level, the Democratic Party is not going to save us. The Senate is not going to save us. They're not going to swoop in and suddenly realign everything and blow up the filibuster because of this. Manchin refused to sign on to the Women's Health Protection Act as it stood, and he was, you know, even the 50th vote. So this idea that the institutions are going to save us. I think I understand that impetus, but we are going to have to save ourselves. And it's been activists and volunteers and people like Jessica who've been doing that work on the front lines for years who are the ones who can save this. It, we don't have to look to the government because they're not coming for us. And, you know, the hijacking of abortion a caller previously, you know, Bob said that abortion is a religious issue, but uh, it was only co-opted as a as the issue for the religious right so that they could fight against efforts to integrate schools in Christian schools in the 1970s. So all of these things are linked. And unfortunately, with the way that our system is now, the Democrats their feckless, frankly, feckless response to what we've been facing tells us at this federal level, that's not where we're going to make the change. It's up to states like California to keep leading the way and doing that. And it's up to everyone else to follow the cue of activists like Jessica and clinic escorts and abortion funders who are going to do everything they can to make access possible. Um, this is KQED. We're going to cut in here and go live to President Biden addressing the Supreme Court's opinion that overturned Roe v. Wade. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. Fifty years ago, Roe v. Wade was decided and has been the law of the land since then. This landmark case protected woman's right to choose, her right to make intensely personal decisions with her doctor, free from the, from the interference of politics. It reaffirmed basic principles of equality, that women have the power to control their own destiny, and it reinforced a fundamental right of privacy, the right of each of us to choose how to live our lives. Now, with Roe gone, let's be very clear. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. As chairman and ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, as vice president and now as president of the United States, I've studied this case carefully. I've overseen more Supreme Court confirmations than anyone today, where this case was always discussed. I believe Roe v. Wade was the correct decision as a matter of constitutional law and application of the fundamental right 
to privacy and liberty in matters of family and personal autonomy. It was a decision on a complex matter that drew a careful balance between a woman's right to choose earlier in her pregnancy and the state's ability to regulate later in her pregnancy. A decision with broad national consensus that most Americans of faith and backgrounds found acceptable that had been the law of the land for most of the lifetime of Americans today. And it was a constitutional principle upheld by justices appointed by Democrat and Republican presidents alike. Roe v. Wade was a 7-2 decision written by a justice appointed by a Republican president, Richard Nixon. In the five decades that followed Roe v. Wade, justices appointed by Republican presidents from Eisenhower, Nixon, and Reagan, George W. Bush, were among the justices who voted to uphold the principles set forth in Roe v. Wade. It was three justices named by one president, Donald Trump, who were the core of today's decision to upend the scales of justice and eliminate a fundamental right for women in this country. Make no mistake, this decision is a culmination of a deliberate effort over decades to upset the balance of our law. It's a realization of an extreme ideology and a tragic error by the Supreme Court, in my view. The Court has done what it has never done before, expressly take away a constitutional right that is so fundamental to so many Americans that had already been recognized. The Court's decision to do so will have real and immediate consequences. State laws banning abortion are automatically taking effect today jeopardizing the health of millions of women, some without exceptions. So extreme that women could be punished for protecting their health. So extreme that women and girls were forced to bear their rapist child. With the child, a consequence. It just, it just stuns me. So extreme that doctors will be criminalized fulfilling their duty to care. Imagine having a young woman have to ch carry the child of incest as a consequence of incest. No option. Too often the case, the poor women are going to be hit the hardest. It's cruel. In fact, the court laid out state laws criminalizing abortion that go back to the 1800s as rationale. The court literally taking America back 150 years. This is a sad day for the country, in my view. But it doesn't mean the fight's over. Let me be very clear and unambiguous. The only way we can secure a woman's right to choose and the balance that existed is for Congress to restore the protections of Roe v. Wade as federal law. No executive action from the president can do that. And if Congress, as it appears, lacks the vote to votes to do that now, voters need to make their voices heard. This fall, we must elect more senators and representatives who will codify women's right to choose into federal law once again. 
Elect more state leaders to protect this right at the local level. We need to restore the protections of Roe as law of the land. We need to elect officials who will do that. This fall, Roe is on the ballot. Personal freedoms are on the ballot. The right to privacy, liberty, equality, they're all on the ballot. Until then, I will do all of my power to protect a woman's right in states where they will face the consequences of today's decision. While the court's decision cast a dark shadow over a large swath of the land, many states in this country still recognize a woman's right to choose. So, if a woman lives in a state that restricts abortion, the Supreme Court's decision does not prevent her from traveling from her home state to the state that allows it. It does not prevent a doctor in that state, in that state, from treating her. As the Attorney General has made clear, women must re remain free to travel safely to another state to seek care they need. My administration will defend that bedrock right. If any state or local official, high or low, tries to interfere with a woman's ex exercise in her basic right to travel, I will do everything in my power to fight that deeply un-American attack. My administration will also protect a woman's access to medications that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, like contraception, which is essential for preventative health care, mifeprestone, which the FDA approved 20 years ago to safely end early pregnancies and is commonly used to treat miscarriages. Some states are saying that they'll try to ban or severely restrict access to these medications. But extremist governors and state legislators are looking to block the mail or search a person's medicine cabinet or control a woman's actions by tracking data on her apps she uses are wrong and extreme and out of touch with the majority of Americans. The American Medical Association, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, wrote to me and Vice President Harris stressing that these laws are not based on are not based on evidence and asking us to act to protect access to care. They say by limiting access to these medicines, maternal mortality will climb in America. That's what they say. Today, I'm directing the Department of Health and Human Services to take steps to ensure these critical medications are available to the fullest extent possible. And the politicians cannot interfere in the decisions that should be made between a woman and her doctor. And my administration will remain vigilant as the implications of this decision play out. I've warned about how this decision risks the broader right to privacy for everyone. That's because Roe recognized the fundamental right to privacy that has served as a basis for so many more rights that have come to take, we've come to take for granted, that are ingrained in the fabric of this country. The right to make the best decisions for your health. The right to use birth control, a married couple in the privacy of their bedroom, for God's sake. The right to marry the person you love. Now, Justice Thomas said as much today, he explicitly called to reconsider the right of marriage equality, 
the right of couples to make their choices on contraception. This extreme and dangerous path the court is now taking us on. Let me close with two points. First, I call on everyone, no matter how deeply they care about this decision, to keep all protests peaceful. Peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. No intimidation. Violence is never acceptable. Threats and intimidation are not speech. We must stand against violence in any form, regardless of your rationale. Second, I know so many of us are frustrated and disillusioned that the court has taken something away that's so fundamental. I know so many women are now going to face incredibly difficult situations. I hear you. I support you. I stand with you. The consequences and the consensus of the American people, core principles of equality, liberty, dignity. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.